Once upon a time, friends, I was a youth pastor. Mm-hmm. And I was trying very hard to be a cool youth pastor Uh-oh. and like hang out with my students and whatnot beyond just the regular sort of church events uh-huh. kind of thing. So one day we're just goofing off. I'm like, okay, everybody, meet me at the church, load up the van, we'll just go do something. We went to Sonic and got milkshakes and whatever. Time was going by and I was like, hey, you know what? We're running out of things to do. Let's go to a movie. So it is. Um, Varsity Blues and on the market. You were mark- 19 years old. And I it was, was 1999. Well, yeah, and uh, wow. Anyway, so here I am with this group of students. How old are the kids? They're they're they're. I mean, they're you know they're 12 to 17. 12 probably. to 17. Yeah, gotcha. And so we're gonna go in. We're gonna watch Varsity Blues, language and all this kind of stuff. And honestly, I'm not bothered by anything that I'm seeing really in this movie. But I'm thinking about whether or not I'm going to remain gainfully employed at this church. Sure. If we watch this movie, we made it all the way to the whipped cream scene. And I'd already said, guys, this gets any worse. We're going to have to go. And uh, as soon as she came out. And honestly, though, I mean, after that scene, since I watched it through for the very first time for this, nothing happens. Um, But I didn't know. No, the strip club scene is after the whip cream. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. I guess there is a strip club scene. That would have been probably worse. That yeah, would have been you worse. You made a good call getting them out when yeah. you did. Otherwise, you would have been the hot teacher. Yeah, I, well, I, I would have been the fired <laughs> youth pastor. Yeah. Yes, the fired youth pastor. Um, <laughs> and so uh, that was my first experience with Varsity Blues, friends. Love it. My Hello. first experience with Varsity Blues. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, do it. It was uh, not another teen movie when mm. uh, Captain America does the same bit. Ah, with the whipped cream. Yeah. yeah. With him. Oh, okay. Yeah, so, yeah. it's very funny that is funny with the with the cherry in the rear right uh banana i believe actually banana in the rear yeah. that's what it is he looks great oh, banana my. split yep uh i watched varsity blues probably on stars or cable after it came out i've seen it when i was a kid in high school probably because i would have been nine this was in seventh grade for me mm-hmm. so i probably watched it on cable or something probably i've se- I, I saw it roughly around the time it was out but Man- Hello, everybody, and welcome again to the Good Trash Zondercast. We discuss the films you'll never discuss in a film studies course, including films like Varsity Blues. Um, I'm still Dustin. I'm still Arthur. And I am still Dalton. And if you're tuning in for the very first time to the show, we want to warn you right now, this is not a review show. It is an analysis show, which might include trips down memory lane and also spoilers. And uh, the way in which we avoid spoilers, in case you have not seen this movie from the year of our Lord, 1999, uh, is that we will have synopsis from the... Voice of Mr. Arthur Gordon here, which which will be spoiler-free, I hope. Uh, Then we'll have our general discussion of whether we like the movie or not, which is kind of like doing review in this not-review show. And then we move on to expanding the syllabus, which might involve some gentle spoilers, thematically speaking, and also spoilers of films in the orbit of this film. And I'm pretty sure that my syllabus has spoilers. And then we get down to business, and that's when all spoilers are off. So, you've been warned. There you go. Arthur. Do you have a synopsis for us of Varsity Blues? Yeah. Ha I do. Woo. Um, football is a religion in West Canaan, Texas, and the residents kneel at the altar of Coach Bud Kilmer. The team is en route to their 23rd division title, and Kilmer will stop at nothing to win it. The season is going perfectly until the star quarterback gets a career-ending injury. Kilmer reluctantly turns the ball over to Jonathan Mox. Will Mox be able to step up and lead the team? Or will mounting pressures and confrontations derail the season? Absolutely. Wide-legged britches all around. I'm telling you what, it is a 90s (laughs) film. 
about football. Um, that is. Uh, oh, there's necklaces. People there are have necklaces. Little, people have little necklaces. Yeah. It's 1999 for sure. Yeah, I, I had one of those. It was necklaces. the best of times and. Maybe not the worst. Yeah, there's a lot of LA looks being used. It did they put like. Vanderbeek and Jinkos in one scene? There, I yes. swear his pants look big enough to be Jinkos. Uh, they, I mean, Jinkos, you know, are not just the sort of like uh, meme worthy photographs. Jinko jeans. They had some more carpenter style, reasonably kind of fitting, fair. reasonably fitting wide legged britches. How much are we gonna... carpenter jeans would make sense in West Texas? Yeah, for sure. 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 How much are we going to talk about Kyle? How how, how much? Which are we one's gonna... Kyle? Kyle's his little brother, <laughs> <laughs> who is in his own movie. I'm going to die hoot, for the sins buddy. of man. That uh, is a hoot. I tell you what, that very first oh, scene, I began to cult. wonder, am I going to be in trouble? Um, oh God, yeah, of yeah, course. Yeah, yeah. I, I I really was concerned right away. Um, didn't is, yeah. didn't mind sex jokes. Didn't mind some off color. You were very words. concerned about where this was going to go with sacrilege. Yeah. Yeah, well, I was yeah, I was like, are we going to go real sacrilegious? We didn't really. Mm. Although football as religion is kind of sacrilegious, but we'll get to that That's later. A bigger problem than just this movie. Um, yeah, huh? Right on, right on. Well, let's go talk about. We've already talked about our introductions to this film, which has kind of been fun the way Banders worked out today. Let's talk about our reactions and review um, of Varsity Blues. Does this movie work, Arthur? You know what? I was surprised. I really got into this. Uh, I, I, I do naturally like sports movies in general. And this is part of that, but you know, the sports don't really take the center stage. There are a few montage moments that you'd expect in a football movie, but it really is that battle with Mox, John Moxon, or Mox as he's called, um, he's trying to figure Moxon, out kids. if he should, quote, do the right thing, right? Uh, he is playing for this... Uh, seasoned coach who has wards upon awards upon awards, uh, but it's also alluded to that he's racist. He's also willing to put the lives of his student team athletes at risk uh, to win a title, uh, kind of laughing off CT stuff, kind of laughing off uh, injuries, you know, injecting steroids and cortisone and things to get players by and feel good uh, to do the, to, to get through the next game so he can win. Uh, really sets him up as a pretty strong villain, and I think that works. Um, but I, I, I really went for it. I, I really did because I think thematically, what this movie is doing, I, I don't think could be done in a teen comedy like this today. I, I just don't know. We've talked often about ninety nine's kind of existential questioning, and even in this MTV movie with the Warner Brothers star and James Vanderbeek, it feels like it does have some questions it wants to ask. And some that are still relevant today. Uh, I, I think Warner Brothers, the TV station, not the studio. Yeah, well, no, I'm humming the, I don't want to wait. <laughs> That's the Dawson's Creek theme song, right? I don't want to wait. Yeah. Um, I never watched an episode of Dawson's Creek. Or is that Seventh Heaven? I never watched either one. I didn't. Oh, I, I was like, too I think young for Dawson's. it. Seventh Heaven I watched. So it must be Dawson's. Not, anyway. Yeah. Um, none of that's uh, relevant, but uh, oh, it's relevant when, when we're talking the beak. But you're right for argue, the moment, probably. probably off. Um, anyway, I I think this is really asking some questions about the culture of football, the culture of high school sports uh, in particular. Uh, I think those questions, you know, we've come as far as football at a professional and collegiate level. Uh, we, you know, we've come a long way with talks of concussions and headshots and. But there's still this culture where, you know, like, oh, they want them boys to tone it down. They can't play like they used to. That 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 methodology, mm-hmm. that mindset is still there, especially in small towns. Sure. And, and the the interwoven connectedness and tissue of small towns 
that thrive off of sports, and I think football in particular, I think does have some problems. And I've read you know several reviews of this talking about how it's dated and the humor is dated, and yeah, but it's also probably still the culture in a lot of these small towns. Mm-hmm. And I think there's still something that needs to be talked about there. Yeah, we could probably you know be a little more PC with some of the language and tweeters a whole thing, but. I, yeah. I, I that that's still behavior that that happens in small towns, and I think yeah. there's still discussions that need to be had, uh, and I think it raises conversational points. And I think in light of recent issues with uh, cycles of power, who has power, who's taking back power, you know, we've had a lot of strikes and and uprising, you know, not uprisings, but strikes. Well, and, and uh, you know, someone, you know what I mean. We yeah. haven't got quite to that violent uprising point, but. Uh, we have had several strikes and several more strikes threatened, and this kind of plays with that. And I don't know if it lands that plane, but it does open up those ideas. And I don't think in 2021 in a teen football movie that happens. And I think there's something very interesting about that. I really went for it. There's some dramatic moments that work. I love the kind of antithetical use of the sports montage where after they visit a strip club, they're all hungover. They come back, they light up some ACDC, and then the team just gets absolutely wrecked because they're so hungover. Yeah. Which is kind of antithetical to use of that sports montage where in that moment, usually you're dominating. But well, in that moment, the they're getting the dominated. Yeah, they're, yeah, they do and, not have the eye of the tiger. And I think no. there's some fun playfulness with the montage and sports formula and stuff like that. And it really just worked for me. It, it really did uh, overall. So I was big fan, kind of surprised it still held up that way for me. I was never attached to it. But I like it. All right, thank you very much. Arthur, what do you think, Dalton? Do you like Varsity Blues? I am warmer on it now than I was when I first watched it. It didn't, on on the actual viewing, it didn't really land for me. I found Vanderbeek's not accent really distracting. Um, uh, I, I found some of the more tone-deaf moments uh, really didn't work. But the more I thought about it, the more I have kind of come around to Arthur's way of thinking, because I do think there's some big swings in this. It does try to get at some stuff. I think everything it tries to do, it kind of fumbles. And that's sort of a big problem. <laughs> oh, hey, that was, that was a sports <laughs> joke I did on accident. Uh, yeah, like, I, I don't know. There's, I think there's one, the the relationship between uh, Mox and um, the character uh, that, oh my gosh, I can't think of his name. Uh, the, the the person that is getting the brunt of the racism from Wendell Brown. Wendell, Brown. thank you. Yeah. So yeah, Wendell's like the black. Kid's I don't ever get Brown. To... I mean, come on. Yeah, I know exactly. And like Wendell's character, that's real shit in football, right? Like the, mm-hmm. racism in football is a whole thing. We got teams that have racist names. Um, so it's cool that it tries to deal with this, especially in like the CTE stuff with Billy Bob. Like that wasn't a talking point in '99. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But again, like the way it handles, like Mox lets him win one point. Like that conversation happens so early in the movie, it feels like, and then he gets one TD in the the end of the. It's just like everything. It, That's it his feel good moment. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, Amy Smart forgives him for being a jerk as soon as he gets a little bit of success. But like, we don't understand why she forgives him. All of his cool stuff that he did happened behind the scenes. Like, so there's a lot of leaps of logic this movie asks you to make. But also his little brother becomes a cult leader. Like, this movie is kind of wacky. It's got, like, a really interesting sense of humor. It's got, like, three movies that are happening in the background of this movie. Tweeter is in a pansexual, like, (laughs) Dionysian. get naked and get in this police car. I mean, if Tweeter has, like, three, loses, like, three lines of dialogue, he becomes a very endearing character. Unfortunately, he has some lines of dialogue that make him bad. Uh, yeah, and that's sort of the problem with the movie. Everybody's got a couple of lines that make them terrible. I will agree with Arthur, though. I think John Voight, who is an actor I don't really feel that strongly about, 
is really compelling here. Uh, he's the only one with an accent that's, I would go as far as to say, above good. I think Paul Walker's is okay. Well, John Voight's Southern. Yeah. Is he? Yeah. Is he from here? Or yeah. just the, the, the area? The South. The, the general South. area. I mean, he might be Georgian, but you know. That makes sense. Deliverance, sure. Yeah. Okay. Um, so yeah, he pulls it off, obviously. But more than you know, getting the accent right, he is compelling as this sort of psycho, for lack of a better way to put it. This person who does not care that these are children, whose lives he's messing with. He he does not care. He is all ego, all bravado, and it is about what does how does this team reflect upon me in a very Bill Belichickian way of, of football management, uh, which I think is interesting. I think again with as Arthur said, and I think John Voigt adds to all of the things that we can talk about. There, there are great conversation stars in this movie, and the way that John Voigt act, interacts with students uh is i think one of the 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 best jumping off points for a good conversation along with the billy bob stuff and you know some stuff we've already talked about um yeah you know it's fine it looks compelling enough when we do the football montages um it's a tight 90 you know i i agree with arthur it, it is so much a product of its time and yet there is something about it that makes you go yeah, I don't see them making this movie right now. I can't remember the last time I saw a sports movie where the hero wasn't the coach. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That seems to be just such a typical way of building a sports movie because it gives you a central character to focus on. Um, and remember the Titans sort of kicked off this whole wave of sports mm-hmm. movies with heroes as coaches. Yeah. And or coaches I, as heroes, rather. The other one I thought about was Any Given Sunday, right? And I, oh, that wasn't yeah. streaming, but I think that's kind of a similar yeah. place. But mm-hmm. I, I want to clarify because this phrase gets brought up a lot like, oh, that couldn't be made today, which is typically referring referring to, ugh, referring to like content. Content that's like maybe racist or outdated or sexist, stuff like that. And, and I'm saying that in regards to this movie, just for the listener, is I think thematically. What it's what the issues it's dealing with in a high school sports movie. Nobody would want to touch it. No. Yeah. I, I think you know we've kind of talked about this post nine eleven thing, and everything kind of got sanitized in a way. Anything that talked dealt with bucking authority went away for about I don't know, five to fifteen years, depending mm-hmm. on how strongly you measure, right? Yeah. I, and I think that's that's a good qualifier to add, Arthur, because you're right. It's not about really the content, although sure we've we've talked about that. It is about the ways in which this this movie says, you know, maybe don't trust the people that are in charge at your high school. And you know, I don't, I don't know if there's a ton of movies that do that kind of thing right now. Right. Yeah. Dustin, what did you think about it? This is what only the first time you've the watched first time I've been through? all the way through. Cool. That's for, what I figured. For, yeah. So I, I I've been to whipped cream, and that was as far as I went. Um, but even then, you were probably like, oh my god, what am I half? What, what am I into right now? Yeah. What am I doing? What am I doing? Um. And I and as I was watching it, I was thinking. I mean, obviously, those kind of thoughts going. Ah, you know, this is really not that objectionable. Um. Then there is a strip club scene, so you know there is that thing. Um. It, it's a teen movie in yeah. every sense of the word. Mm-hmm. But as Arthur and Dalton both have said. It is thematically much more interesting, and it is a very much uh, less the coming of age movie, which uh, we'll we'll discuss more in a week or so. Um, it is the movie that is about fighting power and thinking about those again existential anti-fascist questions. There is something about the '90s in general, and uh, I've made this thesis before, thinking about. Um, Science fiction in the form of like Star Trek: New Space Nine or Babylon Five or um, you know the X Files and uh, those kinds of other series that there's generally in the mix leading up into those big WTO protests in Seattle uh, that happened there topically that uh, 
the the Zeke Geist is very much like we need to really think about who's in charge and why we let them be in charge. It's extremely been fifty years since World War Two. Yeah, and and the the quote unquote modern world's founding. Right. Right. Yeah. Especially with the you know the end of the Cold War, and we've talked about this weird period before. Yeah. That's I hadn't thought about there being a anti-fascist percolating in media though at that era that makes sense though that you tie that to the wto protests yeah and, and again this movie is it's it's got more on the dome than your typical coming of age teen drama uh, or teen comedy yeah uh, it, it, just, it just has more yeah. happening now to what extent is it is it able to land some of those particular places i don't know um we talk about the tweeter stuff and how what a problem he is but there's a great little throwaway moment there where he says are you going to enjoy prison and um, the idea being, you know, with Moxie being our um, our cipher and our cynical, quippy, quippy, sarcastic sort of uh, vehicle for us as we go through it, that we're supposed to think, yeah, this is a bad guy and doing bad guy things. Mm-hmm. And so I'm okay with a bad guy being in a movie as long as we all know, yes, there are some likable bits to him. Yes, um, people are – we contain multitudes, to paraphrase Whitman there. Yes, that's all true, but um, also – this is not okay. There are guys like this. Yeah, there are guys. Say, like we this. probably all knew somebody like a Tweeter. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Sure. Right. Sure. I everybody mean, knows. A, everybody's got a couple scumbag friends. Yeah. 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 And um and and again occasionally we might even delve into scumbaggery ourselves. Sure. But that all being well, said, as as Mox does, right? Right. As he does. Uh, the point though is it is really really thoughtful for a, just a dumb MTV movie. It's yeah. not. It's politics are confused, but it has politics. Yeah, and I and I find that to be really refreshing. Yeah. And so, for for my money, I really enjoy it. Um, is it my favorite movie? You know, I'm, we'll get that when we get to rendering a verdict here. But that all being said, it's definitely worth watching, and it proves to be a fascinating watch. And I'm glad we got it. So that's where I fall uh, finally with the show. So there you go, dear listener. Those are our thoughts, generally pro regarding Varsity Blues. Let's move on to our little thought experiment we like to call expanding the syllabus. Dalton, what's expanding the syllabus? All right. Well, so Dustin and Arthur have already made a point of saying that this is the type of film you would not discuss in a film studies course. We're going to do that now. We're going to pretend you would talk about it in a film studies course. How would you do it? Or any, uh, you know, collegiate level course for that matter. Uh, it can be under any any genre of class, any, any uh, you know, department heading. Uh, but that is the challenge. We're going to try to take Varsity Blues and, you know, pair it with some stuff that might on paper seem smarter than it and uh, elevate everything to the same playing field. There you go, there you go. And with that, um, Dalton, what did your syllabus look like? We're doing a little bit of men, masculinity, and football, folks. It's time to talk about gridiron and how bad it is. It's bad. It's not good. I'm doing me wrong. I, I This comes from be, uh, being in a football state and not really ever caring about it, so I've got a chip on my shoulder. I'll admit I'm not ashamed of that. But there, there is some problems, and I see the appeal. I, it's fun to watch. I like football. Yeah, I, I, I see the appeal. But I, I think when we look at things like Varsity Blues uh, or uh, Hard Knocks, you know, the HBO series that uh, follows teams in their preseason and I think even on the seasons, um, Ballers, the HBO series that is Entourage but with football players, and all of these things, we see a lot of the same issues. Um, we'd also probably look at, uh, there's a really great 30 for 30 about Bo Jackson that I think is really incredible, just at charting the career of a player who gets cut down in their prime and what that looks like and just both as a, on a personal level, what's that look like? And on a media level, how do people mm-hmm. perceive that sort of thing? Um, I've never seen the Will Smith film Concussion, um, but I I, I assume nothing about it. <laughs> I don't know what kind of movie it is. Uh, it looked bad, but that doesn't mean it is. And we would absolutely have to talk about 
that movie though to talk about the the person who inspired it the work that that doctor did uh to try to whistleblow and shine a light on a really endemic problem in this sport uh, i think we'd probably look a little at ted lasso which of course mm. is about european football but deals with some overlaps and and how you know all athletics uh, especially male-centered athletics have uh you know some issues with uh processing feelings for lack of a better way to put it uh i also want to take a look at a documentary called fighting in the age of loneliness from secret base the yeah. youtube account that does yeah these long sports uh docs have a lot of stats fighting in the age of loneliness is, is about mixed martial arts it's about combat sports it's not actually about football but it kind of charts how mma went from a you know personality dominated field kind of like professional wrestling you know it had a lot of more show and pomp and circumstance and how did that kind of become more of an nfl-like enterprise how does a sport go from being something people are passionate about you know just dumb idiots who say i want to see if that guy can punch me harder than i can punch him because he went to a different martial arts school than me and how does that become reebok shorts uh for everybody as opposed to a world that had like you know people just had boner pill advertisements on their shorts when this sport started you know so i think it, it gets into the minutiae of both like men and their bodies and uh, the perceptions of that but also gets into the money business of any professional athletics and, and again i think the through line through all of these things is, is, is all the things that i've talked about deal with football at some sort of there's a problem here level um i have not gotten to watch the replacements which arthur recently sent my my house because uh, my wife is a patron of the of the show uh, i haven't got to watch that yet but we probably would just because it does deal with uh, a player strike uh, which is a thing that happens in athletics sometimes, mm -hmm. and it's pretty cool when it does, if you ask me. Uh, the last thing I want to talk about is a sketch from the Amory Schumer show um, that uh, is sort of a Friday Night Lights parody uh, that does deal with the fact that, uh, well, there's guys like Tweeter on football teams, yes. uh, and they all need to have a long talking to about uh, the nature of consent. Uh, it's a good sketch, and I think will probably be the thing that I would show on day one of the class. <laughs> Very cool, very cool. Thank you very much for that, Mr. Dalton. What does your syllabus look like, Arthur? Yeah, I tapped into that small town anxiety, you know, Mox's desire to, uh, he's applied to Brown University and he wants to get out of small town Texas. He looks at his dad, he looks at all these men who, who their fleeting glory days were on the football field getting a game-winning touchdown or, you know, raising a trophy before you go any further can we just take for a moment and acknowledge the awesomeness of the hitting the mascots bullseye thing that he to, does to and, his and then when he hits his dad earlier and, and his that dad connecting touched, uh, such a great moment it's a good bit we have no one now i have no analytical points on that but with that i just want to say it's it. just a great moment of you know not spelling something out mm. but and and also you know spelling it out in a way i think it's cool editing um, anyway, so I would talk about small town anxieties in a few different ways. Um, we've talked some about small towns before, and so there's, there's a lot that goes on there, both from, you know, a teen who's hoping to get out and do something with their life and that fear of just being, I guess, less than average or mediocre in their hometown and trying to live up to these, these things that never really happened. Um, so there's that, there's also just the politics and gossip and, and, you know those people who run a small town uh you know the, the the really fun thing here is when they're at the bar they're kind of talking about the team and the police sheriff or whatever chief or whatever you know says he's kind of getting tired of these boys he might have made an example and coach bud's like my boy's giving you a problem <laughs> and everybody's like nope 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 mm -mm. No, well, this you know is he's, fine. he's got that uh, kind of classic western oil baron air mm -hmm. to him everybody <laughs> is scared of coach bud yep because of what this 
power that he's somehow gained through history. So I, I kind of want to tap into those things. So the first one I would do is uh, um, the Last Picture Show. Um, nice. I, I think that this 60s, 70s movie really deals with that that anxiety and that existential crisis of being in a incredibly small town and trying to figure out, is there an out? How do I get out? What does that look like for me, for my friends, those relationships? Um, I think it's a great movie uh, from, I can't think of his name now. Oh, is it Dennis Hopper? No, who directed it? Um, I don't Lord. know that. This is embarrassing. Hey, look, it, Sorry, happens, to, it happens to all of us at uh, one point or another. There he is, Bogdanovich. Oh, Bogdanovich. Bogdo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There it is. Anyway, uh, yeah, so Bogdanovich is the last picture show. It is a great movie. Um, some great performances there from uh, Sybil Shepard and Jeff Bridges uh, and um, uh, Ben Johnson. Uh, good movie. So I think that's where I'd start this. I think it's the oldest one on my list. Uh, from there, I want to talk about Roadhouse uh, because it does have those small town politics, right? Yeah. Uh, these people who kind of run the town are trying to uh, take over property. I can't remember. You know, yeah, crazy, that's sort but, of his grift is he's a right. property guy. He's got yeah. enough money to basically buy up everything Anything in town. he wants. Yeah. yeah. And so there's that kind of ba- power balance between the town officials, these money people, and then, of course, uh, Patrick Swayze's character. And so I like those dynamics, and uh, it was fun to talk about in that scope when we did do it on the show. Mm. Uh, from there, I want to talk about Blue Valentine. Uh, and suburbia yeah. and the American dream and those anxieties and fears in the eighties and what that looks like uh, and how Lynch is kind of addressing that uh, through blue Valentine, which is a drastically different movie from anything on this list. But uh, I think it's interesting. Uh, after that, I want to look at lady bird. Do you mean blue velvet? Yeah. Blue velvet. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Hey, that's the one it's, we, we had a quick turn w- around. Words are hard. You know what, Dustin, you had to, you, you said it. My brain auto-corrected it every time Arthur said it. I was like, yeah, this is a good pick. Sure, yeah, sure. absolutely. <laughs> no, you haven't seen David Lynch's Blue Valentine with Ryan Gosling? With Ryan Gosling. <laughs> I would love that movie. Yeah, I was like, um, now, hold on now. Uh, my next one would be Lady Bird. Um, mm, mm. I, I think that this is kind of, you know, I don't know that Southern California I'd consider small town, but there's that same anxiety of being trapped there sure. and being stuck and, and wanting to get out and do something more and kind of breaking out of the, the nest and... and flying on their own, and yeah. I, I think there's really something there that, that is similar to what Mox is trying to accomplish. The next one is Star Wars A New Hope. Uh, Luke Skywalker trying to get off of Tatooine. Sure. Uh, you know, he, but how he is he going to go to Toshi Station, get some power converters? <laughs> right, and that's his life if he stays at Tatooine, right? And it is just fixing up droids and farming whatever they moisture. farm. Moisture. In the desert. Um, I guess that's why you would want to form moisture in the desert. Anyway, uh, I, I yeah, think... I got a, I got a still suit I can sell you, bud. <laughs> yeah. uh, I think uh, I think that does kind of tie into some of these ideas, and and we see this I think throughout the seventies, and these reflected by these directors who are trying to break out and break out of the shadows of the previous generation. There's something about the new Hollywood there I think is an interesting from a production standpoint to tap into as well. Uh, and finally, I want to talk about Nebraska because there's the small town anxiety of getting out but there's also the small town anxiety of going home. Mm-hmm. And, and mm-hmm. I think Nebraska really ties into that and the, the familial history and how we deal with that and wrestle with that and, and what that all looks like in our lives and in our relationships and in our psyche. And so that's that's what I would go and do with this I think is is small town study stuff. Excellent. I like that very much. I I have a question before we go. This is almost like a uh getting down to business like 0.5 question because it relates directly to what you're saying, Arthur. Uh, So 
Do we know, are there movies about the redemptive life that one can find in the small town? Because it seems like overwhelmingly Hollywood is like, you've got to get out. You can't, there's nothing here for you. Unless you want to be like, again, this sort of dead-end life kind of living kind of person and stay in the small town. I think, I I was wondering, because there was... um... I mean, there's Into the Wild, of course, which is based on a real person's life that is about... Am I thinking the the Sean Penn directed thing? That's where where the guy dies in the bus? (laughs) I mean... Because he's trying to set out for himself? It still says you should set out for yourself at some level. I, you know, didn't say it was the best example. I I was just thinking of the small um, town as a a good, wholesome space. Sure. Well, I think... um, I think Pleasantville interrogates mm. that in an interesting way. Yeah. But uh, what's the one with uh, Jim Carrey and and oh uh, the majestic the majestic? Uh, uh, yeah. yeah, I think there's something there. I, I think uh, I'm looking. I, I found this list earlier when I was looking for it, and it didn't really tap into what I was looking at. But you know, Sandlot ET. I don't really feel. Yeah, that. I feel like most of the big hits. Build of Dreams, maybe. Yeah, we're gonna. It's think a wonderful of, life. I don't know. These sort of are showing. It's not about going to the small town, right? It's sort of observing the community as it exists. Yeah. I, I, I think you make a good point. I mean, that's a pretty standard sitcom trope, right? As a jumping off point, the fish out of water thing. But like, I can't. I guess you know. Right I'm just in about if you can rural think of fear one. and horror as a as a kind yeah. of a connection. There is that way the way we play it out in comedy or drama is just you've got to escape from the oppressive grips of city the small, slickers. Yeah, of the small town, and I just there there. What's to, the one for the record? There is life to be found living in small communities. I was going to say Sweet Home Alabama. I think does this oh, yeah, right a sure. little bit yeah, when yeah, Reese, Reese goes home movie. Yeah. Um, to get a divorce, but then she kind of remembers what small town life is like. That's a, a great example, actually. Yeah, there's I, a lot of Hallmark movies. Doc do. Hollywood, yeah. maybe I, the the that was Michael on the J. list. Fox I was just movie. looking at. Yeah. yeah. I so I I think those are always about people going back home. Almost. Yeah. yeah. You know, there's no. I, well, I mean. I think Lady Bird tries to play with this, and I think her and her mom are at that kind of understanding. Hey, my life's not bad here. But I need to do this on my for myself. Yeah, it's not, it's right. not it's about not a, Sacramento. It's not yeah. about you. It's about me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah I, anyway, just curious thought. You know that there's a weird kind of a prejudice against small town folk in general. And oh, for sure. Uh, and I just wanted I wanted to throw that out there and yeah. at least acknowledge it. Um, my syllabus. Uh, my syllabus is. Um, I don't know, uh, Politics 101, Fight the Power in Schools and Cinema. Uh, I want to think about that kind of thing. Nice, and okay. overthrowing um, those powers as we might see them. And you're going to try to reach these kids is what you're telling me. I'm going to try to reach these kids. And I'm going to go way back. I'm going to go back into the 20s, first of all. And Zero to Conduit, John Vigo. Um, you might have thought I was going to go there, and I was. And from there, I would go to Lindsay Anderson's If. Um, which is a great little film that's an update of the same idea of uh, boarding schools or uh, orphanages mm. in, in one case, uh, and just the surrealistic sort of exploration of revolt and rebellion gotcha. and uh, how we might find some other way towards meaning there. And uh, I think Varsity Blues is an interesting movie that does something like Zero to Conduit and uh, Lindsay Anderson's If uh, in different kinds of ways. Uh, then I think we go forward. Uh, we'll keep it British for a little bit because Varsity Blues is our American example. Um, I'm looking at Deathly Hollows parts one and two from the Harry Potter series, okay. and the Battle of Hogwarts. Sure. If you have fascists running your school, you should probably overthrow it. And uh, that's an interesting idea that those people, just because they have those positions, doesn't mean they deserve them or doesn't mean that what they say is right. And uh, there's a real helpful thing to be considering there with 
with those in tandem with the American uh, expression of this. So we got a French version, two British versions, and an American film with Varsity Blues. And uh, just thinking about resistance to power in the school setting. Uh, from this in terms of readings, I'm thinking about May of 68 a lot and sure. some of those French uh, university-level revolts and also uh, Kent State. Yeah. And some of those other protests that were going on in the late 1960s. So some historical documents would also accompany this module, which would find itself in some class. I'm not sure what sociology of film, maybe. What's that one with Sam Jackson as a coach? Coach Carter? Coach yeah, Carter. Coach Carter. Isn't that basketball. something about, doesn't he get locked out or stage a lockout or something? I don't know. I've never seen it. So There's yeah, an- I couldn't tell you. There's an episode of Fresh Prince of Bel-Air where this happens, where they ah. stage a lock-in in a little classroom. Nice. Um, but... Anyway, that's my thought. That's um, something there. With this. So there you go, dear listener. Your syllabus just got much longer. I believe, though, now, oh, yes, now indeed, is the time to get down to business. It's business. It's business time. I don't know what you're trying to say. You're trying to say it's time for business. It's business time. Ooh, it's business. Dustin, you already uh, made this point on air and we kind of talked a little bit about it before we got rolling um, but the, you feel like this is less a high school movie and more a fight fighting back movie yeah kind for of sure to is there is there anything more you want to tease out there well I mean we need to talk about it narratively I guess first of all so sure. spoiler spoiler spoilers here we are we're in that zone we've already given you the kicky music to know um, John Voigt gets locked off of his own football team they refuse to come back at the second half if he goes on the field with them because of his abuse um, verbally psychologically and mentally, medically, uh, medically, yeah, to these uh, to these students and children. they're like, yeah, children, children, and so they, we're not going to go back out there. But they do decide to go back out and play for themselves, which is which is great. Um, I think as a thematic move, I mean, you've got to do that. I mean, the better movie is they don't play, right? right? And I, I kind of alluded to that earlier. I think it does kind of fumble uh, that messaging a little bit, right? Because mm-hmm. we're not going to play, and then he, they don't know where he's gone. And they're right. like, let's go play. You know, I, I, I agree there. I mean, the, 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 the idea, though, in protest here is that the gesture is, if we just don't play by your game anymore, then we win, and you have to do something different. And, but it does require um, solidarity. It does, prov- it does require a group to say no. Because Mox could say no, and he's ruined, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Brown could refuse the shot. And he's ruined. Yeah. Um, it requires everyone to say, you know, again. I, the, it requires the former golden boy to say, I'll be the coach. Right. Yeah. And to say, you fucking shot my knee full of cortisol. I'm not going to keep letting watching you do this to my friends. Right. You know? And so it, it, there's there's a way in which uh, group action here is the only sure. way out as far as a, a, a tactics pra- uh, praxis kind of thing. Uh, with protests. Does going back on the field make it sort of a reformist narrative, though? A little right? bit, yeah. yeah. And I, is I, that kind of where we're, we're saying that it might fall a little bit? But in the end, we are taking down that coach. He's sure. not going to pl- He's not going to coach there anymore, although I think tellingly the statue remains. Because it's too heavy to hallway. Oh, malarkey. I saw Saddam Hussein's statue come down in Iraq. I mean, it could be done. And the, I know those people got front-end loaders somewhere. Um, they could have got this done. <laughs> it, it, it really is. We're not going to go so far as that. Yeah. But at the same time, we're going to say, no, we, we, we're not going to play yeah. any longer. And I, I mean, I think that's great. I, I think it's a useful thing to think about, you know, as students, um, in this case, children, or as uh, young adult students in a, in a university level, that protest is 
good, useful, helpful, and that is the fundamental place in which it goes. And so I, I think that's the major thematic. I think the other thematic that's sort of questioning in terms of revolt is I've been handed down a set of values as, as this is important, and I'm going to suggest it's not. I don't want your life. Right. Well, football isn't life. This isn't what lasts. I, I think part of what the movie interrogates, and I think well interrogates, is the things that we take to be so important and so serious in high school mm-hmm. are not. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. They, these these are not life and death issues. Yeah. Because yes, you may be twenty three years running or twenty two years into the twenty third year running as district champions, but can you name any of the members of the district championship team of nineteen eighty four? Probably not. And it doesn't matter. Yeah. You know, it it those kind of, who's in the in group, who's in the out group when you're in high school. It seems so direly important at that time, but it doesn't really matter. Well, I, th- I think to kind of just mess with that a little bit, because I, I want to go to something else and, and just reflects this point a little more, but I think in small town, you would know that person's name. Maybe. Mm. But you know them because they work at the gas station. Right. They're managing the Walmart. Right. And that's what this movie alludes to is like all these people around town, the sheriff and the, the guys who watch practices, these are all players. And their moments were. Out there on that field, that's that was their peak. They peaked, mm-hmm. and now they're and that's what mocks fears. Right, it is that life of below average modernity, and and I think of I, I kind of reminded of Mayor of Easttown, right? Because this is a, a point yeah. in Mayor of Easttown is she was a celebrated yeah. basketball player in high school, and everybody kind of knows her. Is that that's her nickname is based around yeah. that, and, and so I, I think that in a small town, in a bigger school, you're looking. At, Oklahoma City Metro, you're talking about some of these mm-hmm. big schools. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're for, you're forgotten, but I think in a small town Texas, yeah, they could tell you yeah. who's on the 88 Division One team or whatever. Yeah, even Mayor of Easttown, which is like you know not even quite a suburb, just an outer part of the city's yeah. types. You know, it, it, what a five A school, four A school. Yeah, that that's a neighborhood where people stick around. Yeah, yeah. But and I think that I think that's what makes that more effective. Yeah, in its messaging is that yeah they would know those teams and that's what. I th- I think though that Mox is such, and I would like to know more about that character. Mox, like, why is yeah? I mean, why read Kurt he, Vonnegut, which is cool, but I was want there more. a teacher that inf- you know was there a teacher that impacted him? What, you know, where I've did the, I think thoughts. there was a teacher that impacted him? <laughs> I have lots of thoughts about this actually. But I mean, yeah, I think yeah. there's a really interesting backstory. Like, how did he, he become so open minded to know like, yeah. this isn't my life. This isn't what's there for me. There's something. Greater than football. Mm-hmm. Vanderbeek plays him very sensitively, which I think is one of the strengths of the performance, right? I kind of poo poo the accent or whatever, but I think he does like show a lot of depth for that character. Mm-hmm. There's the little looks and uh, little choices that he makes that you're like, oh, yeah, this guy's got like, there's a lot going on behind those. He's much more eyes. mature than any high school student I've ever met. For sure. Yeah. yeah. But that's kind of the thing that's interesting. Where did that come from, as Arthur alluded to? Because we only have two educators in this film we have Miss Davis. The sex ed teacher who's also a dancer, and we have Coach. What's his doodle? Yeah, I didn't bother yeah. to remember John Voight's character's name. He's a jerk. Bud. Bud. That's Bud. right. Bud. What a name. I've got a Bud. Ripken or whatever. Bud Kilmer. Bud Kilmer. Kilmer. Duh. Duh. It's a good name. It's a good yeah, coach name. We've got Kilmer and we've got Miss Davis, and those are really our only examples of educators in this film. That's kind of a bummer, a little mm-hmm. bit. It's it's weird that we because he is so academically minded. Right? He wants to go to Brown. Like he's yeah. Is he going to go to play football? Sure, but that's not like why he's going. Yeah. Nobody cares about Ivy League football. Yeah. Uh, no. Nobody wants to watch a bunch of pencil necks. Yeah. push each other around yeah, for an exactly. hour. Uh, but yeah, he knows that he could go get a good education with these tools that he's been given. So it's interesting that he, we don't 
get that interior life. We don't find out like, okay, he, like you said, he reads volume. Like, what is he into? Is he seeing English? Is he, you know, an arts and literature guy? Like what's, what's his deal and who inspired did, that? Yeah, did Amy Smart hand him a copy of Slaughterhouse Five? You know, when yeah. she's, she's written or at least played, maybe it's just because Amy Smart typically plays people this way, but she comes across as very kind of smarter than, you know, the rest of the people in yeah. The town. Yeah. yeah. Very like, I'm ready to get out she's of here. She's the counterculture-ish. Well. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah. yeah. Small town counterculture. Yeah. yeah. For sure. Um, yeah. I, and I think, you know, anyway. But maybe you're right. Maybe that is a, you know, that's we're supposed to get. That's what that relationship has provided him is like some more interior life. We yeah. don't get a lot. We don't get a lot from any of the women in this movie. And I know no. it's a movie about teenage boys, but. Yeah. I, you know, and I've, I've made that. I think I've made this joke before. Just because you make a movie about teenage boys doesn't mean you need to make it like you were a teenage boy. Right. And I don't know. Choices are made. I don't think they're all very good. Well, I say this much, you know, our, our, our cheerleading, um team captain who throws herself at Vanderbeek because he's now the star quarterback and maybe her ticket out of there. Um, she there, gets, we get something with her. That's such a, a good moment. Interesting redemptive scene, I right? think there's a really interesting, I, I think, you know, we don't get as much with Amy. No. Smart. I can't think of her character. But Allie yeah. Larder, Darcy, I, I think. Jules is her character name. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. I, I think there's something really interesting, you know, it's like that symbiotic relationship that she has to have because that's her way out. Yeah. He gets the scholarship he goes to Florida State. I go to Florida State with him. Well, it speaks to what is valued in young women in this small town, right? Yeah, yeah. Is there proximity to powerful men? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, I mean, but the movie does sort of work her away from that, and I think yeah. that's yeah, sure. that's that's good. You know? uh, again, that that exchange she has with Mox and the way they kind of laugh that off, and I I think I think that's cool. I think those mm-hmm. moments in this film really make it. Yeah, for sure. Let's talk about um, let's talk about labor and safety. Because, yeah, okay. I, I mean, you know, the movie is obviously sports teams, and we're talking about doing this stuff for free, but uh, we got to talk about safety and labor and just cuts that are made. And I guess we got to get topical for a little bit. Uh, we got to talk about Alec Baldwin. Yeah, I sure. Mean, I mean, yeah. You know, I yeah, mean, as we're this is the weekend we're recording that there's been a terrible, terrible accident on a set. Rust was the name of the film. Yeah, I Rust believe. the name Rust. of the film, which we'll probably we'll never no, see. Probably no, no. director's severely injured. Director of photography killed in a you know prop gun accident. Shouldn't have happened when it happened to Brandon Lee. Probably shouldn't have ever happened again after that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, here we are. Yeah. Uh, well, in the IATSE strike, just barely didn't happen. Speaking yeah. of, yeah, uh, another kind of prong to this same conversation. Yeah. But there, there's a way in which, uh, again, structures of power are, if you're going to make it, you're going to get your ticket out, you're going to get your scholarship, you're going to get your big break in the movie, you have to sort of just deal with these circumstances and yeah. situations that are fundamentally unsafe. Uh, one of the things that I'm aware of, reading some of the uh, journalism surrounding Rust already, mm. is that there had been several accidents already yes. in the week leading oh, up to with yeah. prop guns, yes, uh, misfires. Um, prop guns that were loaded with blanks. Yeah, you know, I mean, just a number of issues and concerns that have been raised in the week leading up to this accident. Ugh. And you got to stay though, because you got to be there. And I'm not playing responsible. I'm not. I don't know. I don't no. know if the prop master is a problem. I don't know if there's a producer problem. Now, like Baldwin is a producer on the film. I don't know if it's a director's problem. I mean, I don't. You know, I don't know who's responsible for not putting a foot down when a yeah. foot needed to be put down. Probably a lot of people. There's an, uh, Usually, yeah, there's enough blame to go around. Um, but that all being said, the system itself is created in such a way. I mean, we think about even like Texas Chainsaw Massacre and like the horrendous heat and these awful conditions yeah. that these actors and crew uh, endured because, well, if we're going to get this movie made, and this movie might be the movie that gets some traction, that gets us a break, that gets us opportunities to do the next thing, I'm... I'm willing to go and do this kind of stuff 
and deal with these kinds of unsafe conditions because if I don't, I'll get a reputation as yep. difficult. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I may not get another opportunity. You're talking about an industry where 12 hour workdays are the norm, too, right? right? Like, and that's yeah. the thing that's so interesting. You know, you've got this movie about kids wanting to make it out of their small town. And I can, if I just put up with this abuse for now, everything will be fine. And I can go get a job in the NFL or Hollywood. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not, you know, uh, organizations that aren't abusive in any way. Right. I, you know, do my sarcasm voice, obviously. Yeah. It's, it's weird that, that, that just sort of becomes the default that we expect from people. Is uh, you're going your your labor is going to be abused and you're not going to be treated like a person. You're going to be treated like a cog in a assembly line. Right. It's not great. Uh, it's certainly not safe. Right. And then on top of those uh, indignities, on top of that is incipient racism. Uh, the character of Brown, who's who's, who's uses the workhorse throughout the film uh, to move the ball down the field, but when it comes down to the highlights, the touchdowns, um, the ball gets handed to a white player. Mm-hmm. Right. And of course, we're aware of this in small towns and, you know, you're always looking for this. And I, I'm just thinking about this again in, in football practice. Um, quarterbacks are overwhelmingly white in the National Football League. Yeah, this is a problem that's been written about. Um, there's a good journal. I can't refer you to any now listener, but I know I've seen writing on this. But but the assumption is you got to have a head on you to play quarterback, not just uh, ability. And well, if you're going to have a head on you, you Gotta be white. There's a lot of coded racism in sports broadcasting too, right? right? Like, oh, it's such a nat- natural athlete and shit like that. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, you there's people are very smart at catching this thing and at highlighting it when it happens, but it's it's just as you said, it's incipient, it's endemic. It is such a part of the fabric of this country that anything that you know, poison tree and all that, you mm-hmm. know, it's everything's got it in there unfortunately right yeah it's just it's, it's very very problematic and this just comes down again to people in power and being able to get mm-hmm. away with abuse who makes right. decisions All right you're john voight um we could say harvey weinstein we could say any number of things um the bobby yeah. knight problem in sports sure. uh, bobby knight if you those of you who are listeners who are not knowledgeable about football was a famous indiana uh, university basketball coach threw a chair across the room or across a basketball court i yeah. suppose um technicals uh, lots of profanity and abuse of students, you know, mentally, uh, verbally, uh, occasionally put his hands on the throat of a player physically. Uh, this kind of stuff happened all the time. And it's a thing that you get away with if you're winning or if your movies are selling mm-hmm. or if you are winning the appropriate awards. Luma Thurman almost died in a car crash on the set of Kill Bill 2. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it, but, you know, the movie made money. Yeah, so it's it, it it it's there's a way in which that sort of washes that, and yeah, the sure. film is raising those questions. And again, these abuses apply to a number of industries. Yeah, um, there is a episode of the Rise and Fall of Mars Hill about a pastor called yeah. the Bobby Knight problem, uh, regarding uh, Mark Driscoll's leadership style in churches. So this is not something that's only known in that industry. Right. But if you're winning. You can get away with anything. Look at the growth. Look at the numbers. Look at the this. Look at the whatever. And it excuses those things. And until people tell the story, until somebody speaks up, and again, these people have power in place to make them do it your way. I, I will I will mess up your scholarship at Brown if you don't play ball my way. It's a real problem, you know. Well, it's a real problem, and I, I think some, an aspect of it that we haven't touched on is specifically, and again, this is more a problem in college athletics, right, because of the revenue that's generated. Mm-hmm. But in both college and high school athletics, you're talking about children. Even even at the high the collegiate level, yeah, they're young adults, but you're talking about people that are under the age of 25 and right. are being made celebrities. Yeah. 
because they're of their extracurricular activity at university. It's absurd. It it it, it defies logic. Uh, it, it has never stopped weirding me out because it is such a part of our culture's like youth worship mm-hmm. to put so much on children. It's like, dude, man, it's a school game. Who cares? Well, and the demands that are placed upon them to fit that yes. particular mold. I mean, yes. I'm thinking about Brown being too black to be a, a star from this football team. You know who plays a yeah. uh, football coach in this, uh, don't you? Barry Switzer. You catch him on the sidelines. But, uh, you know, famously, uh, what's his doodle? Uh, played on one of Switzer's teams. Uh, Dion? No, the, he's, he's a white guy. Um, Barry? Yeah. Barry, oh. uh, he, he, he played Wait, Brian Bosworth. Guy? Thank you. There you Bosworth. go. Bosworth. Yeah, Bosworth yeah. got in trouble for being too cool for school. Right? Well, like, he, he was too much of an individual. Let's talk about the immediate right now. So we're, we're, we're starting to pay N- or, excuse me, NCAA players for their likenesses. They're able to do mm. some sponsorship yes. right now. Yes. And uh, the, the court, I mean, this is very topical, but the current quarterback controversy at the University of Oklahoma right now is Spencer Rattler versus Caleb Williams. What about it? Uh, so Spencer Rattler is not, is not performing really awesome on the field mm-hmm. uh, for, for, for the most part, and there probably needed to be a switch. And he's a starting quarterback. And he's a starting quarterback. Gotcha. Okay. And so Caleb Williams comes up and plays quite well. But the reason why people had a problem with uh, Spencer Rattler was because in the week prior to that, with his revenue he got from selling his likeness, he bought another car. And it was a new story that a college kid bought a car. Who cares? Who cares? But we do care because it doesn't fit this sort of, you know, plain old folks. Yeah. You know, I, I, I remember my roots. I'm the football when it's pure, you know, and, and that kind of uh, ideology because he's not playing that game and he's like well hey I'm here I'm I'm here for a career I'm here to make some money and I made some money and I might as well buy a car with my I, I yeah. can't do this forever right the first thing he's going to do when he goes to the NFL right he's, Going to buy a car, buy a house, buy, buy two houses, but no, you did buy his parents' house. Yeah. Yep. But you did in college, you know. And the reason why we like college sports and we're okay with college sports, being yeah. what college sports are, is because it's football when it's pure. We're playing for the love. We've never been playing for the love of the game. No, you no. know. There's I mean, I, do a- I, do, does Spencer Rattler love football? Probably. Does he purely love football? Probably. Does he also want to make money? Yes. Yeah. And he, power to him. Yeah. yeah. You don't play at that level at OU for fun. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm here for a reason. Yeah, and I signed here, and and, and the ways in which the the fan well the fans booed him. They were there, so there's a the way it went down. The fans actually started calling out, "We want Caleb, we want Caleb, we want Caleb." Oh my gosh. When he was having a tough first half, uh, half gave, the stadium didn't even go to the damn school. Right. I don't I don't get it. I and get, you're I doing get, this to a child. child. Yeah, yes. man. I get I get pro athletics. I do. I get city loyalty 100. percent I, like it makes perfect sense to me. I don't understand giving a shit about a school you didn't go to. Mm-hmm. It is beyond my comprehension. I, I truly, it, it's some of that like that tradition for tradition's sake stuff that just has never made sense to me. And I think Varsity Blues is hitting on that. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. And yeah. I think that's that's part of Mox's deal, right? It it does not compute for him. This is a place where this is the gold standard, and he's just he he can't see the thing that people like about it because all he can see is the bad. Like his his inability to accept this reality means that he is going to focus on the negative of the situation, which is not necessarily a bad thing, but it is you know definitely a matter of perspective. Absolutely. Now, there's a couple of other avenues we can go to. We've got you know a little bit of time to discuss, but we don't want to just go down every possible rabbit hole. So um, take your pick. We can talk about um, the religious transgression that is fine 
for uh, Mox's little brother. Mm. We can talk about our sex worker who is a university, or excuse me, also a science teacher. And uh, we can talk about the way in which this film perhaps normalizes or perhaps only recognizes bad behavior of high school students in terms of sexual mores and alcohol. I think uh, we can talk about that third one next week. Um, spoiler alert. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there's not a lot to be said about Kyle, as interesting as it is that he goes from... It really... Pan- as I don't yeah, know... Yeah, exactly. He goes through his phases. Yeah, and it is a fun bit, but I also don't know if it is kind of just a little bit of a satire about the religiosity of football. Yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's a tiny to... little metaphor inside the movie yeah. that's just sort of feels like it's there for the writer to, to make connect those. Laugh. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I've, I've got to say, though, I'm, I'm from a small town, and the way these uh, citizens are portrayed in this small town of knowing everything, there's no way they didn't know Miss Davis was a dancer. She'd have to no. go two towns over. Yeah. At least, yeah. yeah. At least. Yeah. At least an hour away. Yeah. Yeah. Or more. It is, of course, uh, not surprising that an educator has to have a side gig. <laughs> I mean, no. That's true. Yeah. Correct. Uh, I, I don't know. I brought this up earlier because you're both educators. Like, is it weird that we don't have any positive? I mean, Miss Davis isn't a bad teacher, I guess. Like, she's pretty chill about the situation, which is admittedly not great for anybody involved. Uh, but she's chill about it. But, you know, we don't really get much from her other than like getting befuddled by mocks and sex ed, which I don't think they teach ed and uh, sex ed in Texas public schools. As far as I know, um, could be wrong, but uh, yeah, I don't know. There's, we really mostly, as far as adults focus on Kilmer so much and God, is he the worst? Mm-hmm. He is sort of that archetypal, uh, you know, abusive mentor, abusive authority figure. I, I think it's twofold, right? I think to Dustin's point, it's not really a high school movie. So sure. the teacher isn't necessary. And I think the other issue that they probably thought was like, wouldn't it be funny if their teacher was a stripper? And then funny, how do we get yeah. to that? Of course they thought right. it was funny. Yeah. I think that's the only reason we that's even a writing have room that MTV thing, bit right? in there. Is, yeah. I mean, I think that whole through line, that punchline of her being a dancer was just a complete like, oh, it'd be funny. There's nothing there. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it, without that joke, I don't even think there is another teacher in this movie. I think you And it gives us point. a couple of classroom scenes with, with Billy Bob to pass out in. Yep. Right. But... Yeah, it's just, I don't know. I guess it makes it would make sense for there to be a character, but it'd probably I be too loaded. I think it would have made more movie. sense. I think it would have worked to give Mox that background, right? That's yeah. the, which we go back to is did his English teacher say there's more to life out there? Or, you know, exactly. is he, yeah. you know, amazing at trigonometry? Like, what inspired yeah. him to think beyond football? Yeah, I want to see him reading Walden and being like, you know what? I am not going to live yeah. a life of quiet desperation. That's yeah, what yeah. I wanted. Yeah, and I didn't get it. Yeah, I, I think that would be where another educator would have been helpful or at least something to, to anchor that point. Yeah. There's just nobody he really is anchored to other than Jules. And again, yeah. like the, the arc on Jules is so non-existent that, you know, she accepts him for no, literally no discernible reason other than he won the football game mm-hmm. because she has not seen any of his character growth that he's had since they broke up. Weird call. Yeah. You know, but that's, that's movies for you. Well, let's make a weird call. Shall we shelf or trash? What do you say to do with varsity blues? Arthur, that was a nice transition. Um, I think I, I'm actually. I think I want to shelf it. I, I really am considering going out and getting a copy of this on Blu-ray. I'm, I'm sure it's 99. Varsity so there's some, Blu-ray. Yeah, nah, nice. Uh, I think since it's 99 film, there's probably a lot of special features that go along with that. Probably. And I, I'd be curious to kind of get into the mind of some of the people here because I think it asks fascinating questions that are still culturally relevant today. I don't know that this movie has aged poorly. All right, is where I'm at. 
Very good, very good. What do you say, Dalton? Very light trashing. You know, I'm not mad at this movie or anything. I'm just, you know, it's not it's not essential. Uh, if you're a, a Vanderbeek completionist, yeah, absolutely, <laughs> you have to watch this movie. All of the Vanderbeek completionists listening to the Good Trash Honor Cast, welcome. Welcome. And, uh, hi, I also like Don't Trust the Bee in Apartment 23, Vanderbeek's magnum opus uh, as a performance <laughs> playing himself. Uh, yeah, it's fine. I, I like the movie well enough, but, uh, you know, I just don't think it's... The, the things that it does well, it doesn't do well enough to uh, warrant sticking around in the memory. I, I can see why it's sort of, its cultural cachet is dwindling. Dustin, what about you? Um, Dalton's wrong, Arthur's right. Um, okay. I think it's worth checking out. Um, no, I mean, I don't really mean it quite that caustically, but uh, it is good banter for airplay on a podcast. Uh, but no, I, I do think there's something useful to this movie. And um, my return to it was enough for me to say, I need to think about this movie, right and uh, it's worth watching again and again. Having this initial sort of traumatic, uh, I, I'm, I'm trying to keep my job, much like a teacher who had a, a side job, um, trying to keep my job moment uh, makes me think um, in, in a much more identifiable kind of way about this film. So I would want to see it again, and that would make it worth buying for me. So there you go, dear listener. Those are our thoughts. Um, you can have thoughts also and share them with us. We encourage free thought. This is a free thinking. Um, Republic out here. Um, and so you can be part of the conversation via social media. Arthur, how can they be part of the conversation? Uh, you can, uh, if you are, uh, have, have cursed yourself to be on Twitter, you can follow <laughs> us uh, at Good Trash Media over there. We are usually trying to uh, highlight reviews, articles, jokes we find amusing, news about movies, uh, trailers, but we also highlight some of our friends, uh, Luella Randy, Bad Girls Die First. Uh, the the praise down with Ethan Alex. So uh, if you're just interested in more content or movie stuff in general, follow us over there. You can send long form content to goodtrashgenrecast at gmail.com. Uh, and uh, as always, like, rate, review. Uh, if you'd like us to send a special curated DVD or Blu-ray, you can visit us at patreon.com forward slash GTM. Yeah. And uh, that's, I think that's Social Corner. Oh, All right. uh, when this is out, I'll have just recently appeared on our, our old friend Caleb Masters show, uh, The Cinematic Schematic, uh, talking about Dune. Uh, so, uh, yeah, that should be out by the time this is out. So, yeah, go check out The Cinematic Schematic. Uh, there's other guests on that. It's not just my dumbass. So, you that's know, good. Exactly. That yeah. I don't, okay. I, that's, you should have led with that. Yeah. I, exactly, right? <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for that, Dalton. Hey, Arthur, what are we watching next? Well, next week, we, oddly enough, go back to high school once again to take a look at a 2016 coming-of-age film, maybe a little more coming-of-age than Varsity Blues, as we talk about the James L. Brooks-produced Edge of Seventeen. I watched this movie in a theater by myself when it came out, and I had a great time. I would have enjoyed that as well. Yes. Good movie. Good times. You keep watching. We'll keep talking. We'll see you all next time. I'm not afraid.